0: which is all over our driveway. And I sat for a while and I just looked up at the stars and the moon and I tried to be present to God and I was distracted and um, had to pull my mind back a whole bunch of different times. But I did that because I felt like I needed to do that and I felt like God deserves that my attention but it it felt kind of underwhelming if I'm being honest um like I didn't have a vision or um warm fuzzy feelings or anything and then went to bed and then this morning Rhett got up and I was Juliet was still asleep and I was sitting in a comfortable chair in our den I was reading scripture and um Rhett woke up and I heard him shut his door he he comes in there and I'm like the third favorite person in my household Uh, the order goes like to Rhett goes Juliet and then Claire and then Daddy and so I have all these times that I want to like snuggle him and hug him and stuff but that usually doesn't happen I think he was just a little bit still tired and he comes in there and he gets in the chair next to me and he just kind of cuddles up next to me he didn't really say anything and he didn't really do anything but it was really meaningful to me and I thought wow what a reversal of roles like I just tried to do this last night and um and here we are in that same father-child relationship so if it means that much to me as an earthly father who's very imperfect, then I think it means so much more to a heavenly father. And so I just, I wanted us to see that picture today as we start worship. And we're not starting all quiet and calm, but I just think that that's the kind of God that we're singing to this morning, the kind of God who waits for us. And if you look at the prodigal son story, he, he's watching and he's waiting And he's wondering when you're coming back. And it might not be that you felt like you're in a pig pen a long ways away. Maybe it just, maybe he's just waiting for your attention to come back. So today, as we gather together, part of why we're here is to mesh our attention together, right? To take our energy and our attention and our time and to plug it in right where it should always be anyways. So would you stand with me and let's pray. Father, here we are. And maybe we're super distracted. Maybe we're laser focused. But right now we take this time as a call to worship, as a call to say it's time for our attention to get on the only thing that our attention should really be on, which is you. And we thank you that you're faithful and we thank you that you've saved us. And we thank you that you've saved us, not for some selfish purpose, to use this us for something else. You've only saved us and called us to love you and to love the other. So we praise you, we glorify you, and we thank you. And we ask that you would be pleased with this worship, that you would be glorified with this worship, that this worship would be about none other than giving you what you deserve, And all of God's people set together, Amen. All right, so let's worship. Sing it,
1: wandering, wandering into the night. Wanting a place to hide this weary soul, this bag of bones. And I try with all my might, but I just can't win the fight. I'm slowly drifting, a vagabond. And just when I... I met a man I didn't know And he told me I thank God I cannot deny what I've seen Got no choice but to believe My doubts are burning Like ashes in the wind So, so long to my old friends Burden and Bitterness, you can just keep them moving. No, you ain't welcome here. From now till I walk streets of gold, I'll sing of how you saved my soul. This way wayward son. Master, I thank the Savior because You healed my heart. You changed my name forever free. I'm not the same. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. I thank the Master. I thank the Savior. I thank the Master. I think the, the Savior. Savior. I think God. Yeah,
2: we will never be the same. We will never be the same. It's honey in the rock, water in the storm, and on the ground. Only you can satisfy. There's honey. There's honey in the rock. 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 There's
1: There's freedom where the spirit is. You will always satisfy
2: You keep giving, you keep providing. I have all that I need. You are all that I need.
1: I keep praying, you keep moving. I keep praising, you keep proving. Binded. You keep giving, keep growing.
3: meaningful time where we come come to you and even when it's not even when nothing quote unquote special happens that 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 closeness and that implied trust man we're so grateful lord just continue to make your presence known here with us, Lord, as we just curl up with you this morning, that our attention is on you, and our intention is just to be here with you, Lord. Amen. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for being here with us on Family Sunday this morning. Um, We're excited that you're here, Uh, and man. How, it's just awesome to be here uh we just got back from uh youth camp on friday i see rich back there what's up man um man and it was just a privilege to get to see god work in people like that to get to see and be just a very small part of um young people being transformed by jesus um who had that revelation for themselves this week, this past week, that it is it is best to just acknowledge Him as your Father, curl up with Him, just sit in that presence. Um, and it wasn't just young people. There were adults. That, I mean, anyone who was out there last week got something. Like, there was an experience, uh, that kind of mountaintop experience with the Lord. And so... Um, Just amazing to see the way that God is absolutely generational. And, um, you know, it's really appropriate that as soon as we get back, we have Family Sunday where our young people get to sit in the service with us and uh, we get to be a generational church. Um, I'm just really grateful for that. Uh, We have our buckets up front. Um, You know, I think most of us are kind of used to the way we do things so uh there's still going to be time to bring it up to the bucket if you use the buckets you've got the box in the back uh on your way out we also have the app um so we want to open you guys up to that um do we have an uh announcements so let's say we i know we just wrapped up here, here you go pastor steve can i help with that yeah
4: yeah, okay. <laughs> t shirt, if you want to get a t shirt for Unity in the Community, the, there's a sheet to sign up on the bulletin board. Um, the biggest announcement is that I, I want to encourage y'all about being here the last Sunday, the fifth Sunday in July. It is going to be an absolute bleeping blowout. Um it is going to be awesome. We're going to have we're going to eat that day. Um we're going to eat a real sit down meal and we'll have tables. I won't make you eat outside if you don't want to, but there'll be places inside and outside. We're going to play games. We're going to have a baby dedication or two or three because we Lord knows we got enough babies all around here. We have one here this morning, brand new member. Um right back there. Y'all can say hi to her. Uh and Aaron are here this morning for the first time since little, what's her name, was born. Sorry, my, my brain is gone. So, y'all go back there and get introduced to her. I want y'all to take five minutes and now don't smother the baby and don't kiss on the baby and all that kind of stuff, but um, go say hi to her and, and encourage them great. Selfie time. (laughs) All right. Y'all get on in here. We sang several songs about freedom, and that always reminds me of a trip that we took to the Fort Worth Zoo, and we saw a an eagle, and the eagle lived in a cage, and one time he spread his wings out like that, I don't know why he did, I don't know why he would do that, he's been in this cage for years, uh, but his wings actually went outside of the cage. That's how small the cage was. And he lived there his whole life. And I I, I remember being struck by how tragic it was that this this symbol of freedom didn't have any freedom, lived in this cage. Uh, And that... I remember being struck by that at the time. But a week later, I was at... um, a, a bike, a hill country bike ride. It was a, it was a 60 mile, 100 K bike ride through the kind of the up, upper hill country. And, um, I don't recommend it. I, it would probably kill me now, but uh, we started at the town of Goldthwaite and, um, on the square. And it's one of those, uh, County seats that had an uh, about a hundred year old building, and right next to the square is where the original jail was, and it's a very small building, maybe twenty foot square, two story rock, and there are windows around it, and there's of course it's a jail, so there's bars on on the jail, and and there are glass windows inside of the bars. And there were birds that lived in the bars of the jail. Um, they made nests in there and all. And I was struck by those two stories put together, that this eagle who had no choice and the symbol of freedom that lived in the in behind bars, and these birds that were free to do whatever they wanted to do, and they lived in behind bars they chose to live there and I and God kind of spoke to me about how that's how we are oftentimes that we choose to be we have freedom and we're bound by a choice that we make to live without freedom and so we sang those songs this morning and If I ask you for a definition of what freedom is, many people talk about how it means you get to do whatever you want to do. Right? Um, And doesn't that sound good? Uh, The Bible talks about freedom in a whole different way. And so when we sing those songs... Um, it's not just about doing whatever you want to do. It's what you were designed to do. It's, it's God gave us freedom for a purpose. And when Paul talks about, I'm sorry, this isn't even my sermon, y'all. It's not even the introduction to my sermon. It's about what we were singing. Paul talks about in Romans about the freedom and the gift that God gave us. And he talks about two different kinds of gifts. Well, he doesn't. He talks about gift, 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 but the words that are used in Greek are two different words. One of it is charisma, which is where we get the word charismatic charismatic from. But charis is grace, and it also means gift. Charisma means gift, a gift of grace. The other word is dorema. The other word that's translated gift is dorema. The difference is that that the charisma, the dorema is a gift. Like if I give you a hundred dollars, then you can go and do whatever you want to do with the hundred dollars. You can go and buy. Uh, you, you can go put gas in your truck. You could go and buy shoes. Not very many shoes. They all cost more than a hundred dollars now. But um, you you could do whatever you want to do with it. But if I gave you a hundred dollar gift card to starbucks what could you do with it you have to go to starbucks you have you get coffee or some kind of thing that's not coffee or but you have to spend it at starbucks that's what charisma is that that gift is um for a purpose and the freedom gift that we're given is for a purpose It is not to do whatever I want. It's not to sin. That was one of the big problems that um, people like Paul had when he talked about what grace did. A lot of people were afraid that... I grew up with Baptists being afraid of the grace because they talked about having a license to sin. And Brother Duane always said, everybody I know didn't need no license to sin. (laughs) They did it with or without a license. But... that gift grace gift and it all goes together charis charismata all of that goes together that grace gift is for a purpose it's it's and paul goes on about it how we're free to not sin where we were stuck in sin before we're free now and i and i want to talk about that this morning the freedom that we have in that Uh, I talked with some of the young people the last couple of weeks about kids camp and as well as youth camp, uh, and they shared with me, uh, I actually talked to kids at camp, because we went and picked kids up for after kids camp, and I asked them, what was the most fun? They said, worship. Uh, w- the An encounter with God was the most fun, um, and I, at, I talked to... Landon yesterday and I talked to Ridge this morning about, um, about youth camp. And they ta- they said basically the same thing, um, that Ridge said that at Thursday night worship that the Holy spirit really fell. And he said it was an absolute encounter with God. And, um, that's what we're free to do in Christ is to ha- have that relationship that, that, changes everything. So I want to talk about, uh, here's my introduction. Um, the, the tale of two ditches. Um, it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. That's the beginning of tale of two cities, right? Everybody know that everybody. Okay. Um, the tale of two ditches. This is a story of two people most likely kind of close to each other in, in, the, in the story of the gospel. It's from the book of John, and everybody knows Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all tell the story of Jesus' earthly ministry, the crucifixion, and all those things. Many things are found in all four of the gospels, but John, the gospel of John, kind of is separate in, in some ways. Um, it kind of tells a lot of behind the scenes things it tells what and it has some it has some accounts some stories in it that aren't in other places and the today's stuff is not in Matthew Mark or Luke uh, it's only here in John but it's it fits into the story of those but John was one of Jesus' very very close disciples he was the kind of inner circle of three. John and his brother James and then Peter. Those three were this inner circle with Jesus. And I believe that John heard stories that that others didn't hear. Jesus in quiet moments Jesus said, you know a weird thing happened today. Or yesterday this guy named Nick came to see me. And uh you tell So that's how John ended up hearing some of those things. Also at the crucifixion, um, Jesus introduces and Mary, his mother Mary had been with the disciples the whole time. But Jesus, as you may recall, at the crucifixion said... Mother, meet your son. Son, meet your mother. And he tied them together at the crucifixion, making sure that his mom was taken care of. So I think because of that, John also got some behind-the-scenes stuff that happened with, with Mary. And that, and that Jesus' mother knew about that, that other people didn't hear. And so that stuff made its way into the gospel that he presented. So the first um, story is John chapter 3, um, and it's about a guy named Nicodemus. I shortened his name to Nick because, um, uh, I don't know, it just came out that way. Because I'm ADD, squirrel. Nicodemus was a leader of the Pharisees. He he was like kind of the Billy Graham or something. I mean, he was a he was a big guy, well known in their church. I'll use that. He was well known as a, a religious teacher and leader and he um the account in john chapter 3 says that he came to jesus by night and most likely the reason he did that is cause he was sneaking sneaking in to see jesus cause he was afraid of anybody else finding out that he was there cause his reputation because some of the some of the pharisees some of those leaders of the religious group were were they were out to get Jesus, and they weren't at all happy about Jesus. So he kind of snuck there in the middle of the night. So starting with verse 1 of chapter 3. By the way, this is where John 3.16 is. It's part of that whole story. Raise your hand if you know John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his own. Okay, that's a part of this story. So it starts with verse 1 of chapter 3. It says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night, and you know why, said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God, for no one can do these things that you do unless God is with him. So he I mean, I can imagine that Nicodemus has, has kind of rehearsed or run this by in his mind. Okay, how can I kind of start a conversation to talk about the things that I need to know about? And maybe I can help my group get on board. So how do I start this conversation? And it's this vague kind of opener. We know that you're a teacher come from God. We, and he, he's representing the Pharisees. We know that you're a teacher from, come from God because nobody else could do the things that you do. Coupled not, so it's not just the things you say, it's the things you do. It's the real thing, Jesus. We know that unless God was with him, that we know that. So that's an opener. And if I were sitting with Nicodemus, I'd go, okay, so what's your question? You just made a statement. What do you want to know? Where is this going? Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus goes, bam. He gets right to the, he gets right to the heart of the matter of what's going on with Nicodemus. And he says, most assuredly, I say to you. For real, dude, I say to you, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus has heard Jesus talking about the kingdom of God before. The kingdom of heaven. Matthew calls it the kingdom of heaven all the way through because Matthew is addressing people uh, that don't say the word God very religious people and they do not utter the word God or Adonai or anything like that. They're very careful. So, but he says, unless you're born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. And the bam hits Nicodemus so hard that he's trying to make it, this, make, it make intellectual sense. He's hearing with his brain and not with his heart. He is totally into an intellectual understanding of it. And so he says, you, unless you're born again. That, by the way, we don't hear those words very often anymore. But we used to hear, people used to say, unless, unless you're born again. Are you born again? They'd say that, those kind of words. There's somebody here that I hear say that a, a lot of times. But um, we don't hear those words. I guarantee you, Nicodemus had never heard those words before. What does it mean to be born again? Jacob talked about worldview in the message that we listened to last Sunday, worldview. So I want you to have that in mind as we talk about this for the rest of the time. What's your worldview? How do you see the world? What's real? What, what determines how you in, interpret daily events and how people behave? What it means to be a Christian, what does your worldview say about those things? Worldview. Okay. Jesus says, You must be born again. Um, Nicodemus says to him, I mean, he's never heard this before at all. How can a man be born when he is old? Picture this, if you will. Can he enter a second time in his mother's womb and be born? Sorry, kids, but let's let's take it away from our a personal thing and let's. Think, I, I see a lot of cattlemen, ranchers here. Can you picture that cow saying, no, I ain't having any of this. And that little baby calf climbing back up in there. Can you picture that yearling bull calf climbing back in there? That's, that's what Nicodemus said. He said, what, can, I inter- can I climb back in there? Is that what you're talking about? How hard are you working to not get it? Is what I want to ask Nicodemus. How hard are you working to not understand this? Born anew is probably a better translation of the word in Greek that's that's mentioned there. But it meant the same thing to Nicodemus because he said, how can I do that? I think that the, perp, the meaning of it is that you... Have to become something new unless you become something new you 're not going to get this Jesus said, surely I say to you unless one is born of water and the spirit now we've been ta- so we've been talking about two births there um, some some Theologians, some Bible interpreters say that Jesus is saying the same thing right there. And I think he's saying two different things there. I think he's saying unless you have a water birth, which is how we're all born, when the waters break and then we're out, unless you have a water birth and a spirit birth, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he can't enter the kingdom of God. I don't think that's the same as going to heaven. I don't, it's you can't be a part of the kingdom of God that works in this world. That's why when Jesus when Jesus walks on water and it says you would have passed it by because they didn't understand about the loaves and the fishes, he stops and helps them. That there's something that happens with with living in the kingdom. That can't be experienced until you're born anew. Until you're born again. Except one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it's coming from and where it goes so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. That we know the wind is there, but we can't see it, but we see the effects of it, and we know that it's there, even though it's invisible, is what Jesus is talking about here. The Spirit is working. Ridge saw that at camp this week, and he couldn't see what was happening, but something was happening. He saw the effects of it. You can't see where it's going, but everyone knows and and sees the effect of it. So is everyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus answered and said to him, he said, I really don't get it. How can this be? That's the same thing that Mary asked the angel when the angel said, you're going to have a baby. I know you haven't ever been with a man, but you're going to have a baby. And she said, how can this be? Nicodemus says the same thing. How can this be? And Jesus answered and said to him, verse 10, are you the teacher of Israel? Jesus says to him, are you the teacher of Israel? You're this religious man that is leading all these people in spiritual matters. And do not know these things? Where did Jesus get all this stuff? He got it from the Old Testament. God's been trying to talk about the kingdom for hundreds of years. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify what we've seen. Jesus talking about himself and his disciples. And you do not receive our witness. If I've told you earthly things and you don't believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? How many of you want to know heavenly things? That's why Nicodemus was there. He's, He's wanting to know heavenly things. I want to get past this. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I came to a place like that in my life. I was a grown-up. I'd already been in the ministry for years and I got to a place where I said, I want to see more. I want to know. I want to know greater and bigger things than this. I think Nicodemus is there. He says, I know there's something. Nobody could do the things you do unless you're from God. I know there's something more. What is it? And Jesus tries to tell him, and he goes, oh, man, I'm just not getting it. Jesus said, how can you understand heavenly things if you can't understand earthly things? Verse 13, no one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven, that is the son of man. So Jesus said, I've been there. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And when Moses was in the wilderness, in the desert for 40 years, and people got sick, there was a, there was a snake on a pole that he raised up, and he, which is where doctors get their thing from, by the way. Um, it, as, he was, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, on which is the cross. And whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And here's verse 16, John 3 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. The Pharisees believed in the resurrection and some kind of life that went on. Jesus said, It's everlasting, it's an eternal life, but you have to believe. John 3:16 That was and that's a key. Can you get it, Nicodemus? By the way, Nicodemus helped Joseph of Arimathea bury Jesus. Nicodemus was a real guy, a real person, and he was he must have got it somewhere along the way because he's there at the end even when all the disciples are gone. And verse 17, the last in this short passage. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Um, when we talk about freedom that we have in church, that I, I want to think about this verse right here. That our greatest mission, I believe, as a church is to talk about freedom the way that Jesus talks about freedom. But the church has come down so hard on condemnation. The opposite of what Jesus came for, this verse 17 right here, that I never want to ever bring condemnation on anyone doesn't mean that that we don't tell people that that's sin I love you anyway but that's sin and it's hurting you and it's not good for you but I don't ever want to for anybody to condem- be condemned I don't ever want anyone to be condemned by the message that comes out of my mouth I don't want anyone to ever be condemned by the message that comes out of my mouth. Because that's not why Jesus came. And if Jesus didn't come for that reason, then I'm not gonna make that my number one goal in life. And I've seen that happen. So that's, that's one ditch. In one ditch, we have this very religious man um a lot like what Paul called himself a Hebrew of Hebrews that from a spiritual standpoint point as much as a person could be prepared Nicodemus is prepared spe- especially intellectually to get it there's people here that are have all the intellectual they know all the stuff enough to get it, what Jesus is talking about, when he's talking about what a life in the Spirit looks like. That's one side. The other side, but a very religious man, all the same, but not—but doesn't have what it takes to get it. Because he doesn't get it, not for a while at least. The very next chapter is... Um, John chapter 4, and we're going to start with verse 3. For a lot of reasons, partly because I don't know if Nicodemus went back and told some of his close friends, but the Pharisees are kind of after Jesus because they're not happy with him. It says in the, at the end of chapter three, it says he was baptizing a lot of people, more people even than John, which he technically wasn't doing. His disciples were baptizing people, but people were coming to be baptized because of the message of Jesus. And so he got out of Judea. Verse three says he left Judea and parted, departed again to Galilee because the Pharisees were after him. It says, but he needed to go through Samaria. And sorry, I have to stop just a second and talk about this. So along the the eastern coast of the Mediterranean, the the beach goes from south to north, and Israel is down here. Judea the southern tribe of Israel that's left over after they split up in the Old Testament after King Solomon. It's down south here and there's a country in the middle Samaria and then there's another country of Jews that that is Galilee up in the north, up just a, a, up around the Sea of Galilee. So there's the Dead Sea down here and there's the Sea of Galilee up here and in between was Samaria. And if you were really Jewish you hated the Samaritans because they had followed the sin of Jeroboam and this Old Testament religion that was invented to kind of uh, be a substitute for, for worshiping God in Jerusalem because Jeroboam was afraid that people would go home and then get, realize how homesick they were and wouldn't come back north to where they lived. So he invented a new religion. And these people followed after that and they got all lost, carried away into captivity, they were slaves for a long time. And but some of those people have come back and they're trying to follow the original Hebrew religion. But they're they're like a red-headed stepchild of the Jews and they didn't uh, they yeah, they weren't accepted. So most people went around to the east in the desert and went around Samaria. As bad as, as rough a trip as it was, and it took a lot longer to get there. Or they went along the, they went in a boat and went up north to Galilee. That way, nobody just traipsed through Samaria because they didn't want to, they didn't want to associate with this group. But it says he needed to go through Samaria. I guess he, I don't know if he was in a hurry or if he had a particular mission, a person to meet, and that's very possible. So he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. So Joseph, when he was in Egypt, second only to Pharaoh, then they take the bones away somewhere along the way, and it's not actually in the Old Testament, but somewhere along the way. Because when in Joshua, when they take the carry the bones of Jacob out of Egypt and take them to the Promised Land, it says that the land that was inherited by Joseph's son, and it call and it named this place. It's the place where Jacob buried Rachel that he bought from the sons of Hamor. Ask me more about that. But in case you're ever on Je- Je- uh, Jeopardy, that's the. That's the answer to that question from the sons of Hamor. Um, Now, Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. It was about the sixth hour. That means it was noontime. How hot is it going to be at noontime? Jesus sitting there. There's nobody else around. Because the women came early in the morning to the well to get their water when it was cool. And they all stood around the water cooler, talking like we do in the office. And they, uh, nobody's there. Jesus sits down all by himself at the well at 12 o'clock noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. We know if the woman came at noontime, there's a reason why she doesn't run, want to run into other people. But that's another part of the story. Jesus said to her, hey, give me a drink. Remember that most people won't even lower themselves to travel through Samaria. And Jesus sits down at a well and strikes up a conversation of all things with a woman. Most of us are used to talking to women. But there, it wasn't that long ago that even in our culture that men and women didn't just talk to each other. If you've watched Pride and Prejudice or something like that, one of those old shows where uh, men and women had to have a chaperone to be together, this is like that only at times a thousand. Wait, what? I said we need that today. Oh, where men and women don't talk to each other? I would say amen to that, but for a whole different reason. It, so I don't have to talk to Pam anymore? Is that how that works? Okay. It would be nice if we had some decorum. That's what you mean. Okay. Um, Jesus says, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. Then the woman of Samaria said to him, how is it that you being a Jew... She knew that he wasn't like everybody else. How is it that you being a Jew, ask a drink of me, a Samaritan woman? There were a whole bunch of things in there. One, I'm from Samaria, and you don't even want to touch anything I've touched. You consider yourself unclean if that happens. So I'm a Samaritan. I'm also a woman, and men and women don't talk to each other. So why is it that you ask me? For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is who says to you, Give me a drink, you'd ask, you'd have asked him, and he would have given you living water. So he he would have given if you if you knew what it was I'd ask you, you'd ask me, and I'd give you living water. I wonder if Nicodemus would have got it at this point. The woman said to him, Well, sir, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where then do you get that living water? You, can't, you don't have anything to draw with. I have, I have something to draw with, but you're offering me water, and it doesn't appear that there's any way you can even get water. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as well as his sons and his livestock? That's a funny thing because she's saying our, our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather made this well. Are you greater than that one? She's, she's drawn attention to their, that they're related to each other. She's like a long-lost cousin trying to strike up something in common because he gave us this well, drank from it himself and his sons and his livestock. He fed Leah and Rachel's goats here. So Jesus answered and said to her, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give will never thirst But the water I shall give will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. Is there any doubt that he's talking about something different from just water now? You and I know, thank you, we know that. But she said... Sir, give me some of this water that I may not thirst, nor do I have to come here at noontime to draw water anymore. Because those women run me off every time I come here, and I don't want to have to come here to draw water. I don't know if she thinks Jesus can like put plumbing and she can turn a faucet on at her house. I don't know how she thinks that's going to work. But... Jesus, I mean, he said to her, whoever drinks of this water, that it's going to become like a fountain that springs up into everlasting life. So Jesus, after she says, give me some of that water because I'm thirsty right now and I don't want to ever come back to draw water. Jesus says, go call your husband and come here. Whoa. The story's taking a definite turn right here. Hey, go get your husband. Bring him. She says, I have no husband. Jesus says, you got that right. He says, well, have you said I have no husband? For you have had... Five husbands. And the one whom you now have isn't even your husband. Of that you spoke truly. Whoa. Oh, I don't have any hair up here anymore. That just totally blow your hair back. Yeah. Five husbands. And you got one now that ain't even your husband. This is not to be condemnation. Condemnation even. Jesus never did that to anybody that he talked to. The woman who's caught in adultery. Do you know what caught in adultery means? That means she was found in bed with somebody that wasn't her husband and they dragged her there to stone her. And Jesus didn't condemn her. He says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more because that was a sin. But I don't condemn you. Jesus isn't condemning her either. He's taken her somewhere. He's taken her to freedom. The woman said, Whoa! I perceive you are a prophet. The discussion took a turn and she's trying to turn it around again to something else. She's trying to turn it back to more uh, things that are easier to talk about. Let's talk about religion, she says. She says, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. Because on that mountain they were on is the place where Jeroboam invented it. You have to go back to the Old Testament to understand what that's all about. But they said, we got this mountain. Y'all got that mountain. Is there any big deal about that? Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship your father. It was only going to be about 40 years away and there would be no temple in Jerusalem anymore to worship at. Jesus was speaking prophetically right there. He says, You're not, people aren't going to worship either in this mountain or in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. The Father is seeking such to worship him. People who will worship in spirit and in truth. Spirit is a key word right there. It's not about which mountain. It's not about this some religious thing. It's not about any of that stuff. It's about this relationship with God. A spirit relationship. Truth. And he says, um, God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. Spirit and truth. The woman, and I, I could have five sermons about this, but don't worry, I'm not going to. The woman said to him, And she's gotten on track right here. As messed up as her life is, don't raise your hand, but have you ever been in a place where your life, you felt messed up? Everything that was going on in your life, it's just messed up. As messed up as her life is, she's getting it. She says, I know that the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is a deliverer, like kind of like Moses a little bit. He uh, was a deliverer that was coming, and the, the Jews knew it from Scripture, and, and they were looking, looking, looking. Mary was looking when someone says, You're going to birth the Messiah. Everybody had been looking for it, even the Samaritans. I know he's coming, the one who is called the Christ. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. She's actually saying to him, Are you that guy? It moves me so much. Because there's people right now today that need to hear it the same way. And we need to be speaking this way to them. We need to, with our lives, speak in such a way that people see a freedom that we have. See us living in the Spirit. See us living the kingdom of God. That they say, are you one of those? Can you tell me about that guy? She says to him, I think you may be that guy. When he comes, he'll tell us all things. He's already told her all things. He said, I, who speak to you, am he? I am that guy. Well, his disciples come back and they go, what the heck are you doing? You're talking to a woman, a Samaritan woman. (laughs) What's going on? I think that woman left a dust trail behind her as she runs down to Sikar, back to her house. I mean, picture her running and this dust coming up behind her. She left her water pot right there. She just left it and, and they go, what? She left her pot. What's she doing? And she, so she goes, goes back to the city and says to the men there, Come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they all went out of the city and came to him. They think, I think, Bible teachers think possibly that she may have been one of the first missionaries. Because later on, a few months later, maybe a year or two later, Stephen comes along to Samaria and he's preaching like Billy Graham this gospel and people flock to him. And I believe it's because this woman had been spreading the news all along and and basically primed the pump for all these people to come to these Billy Graham meetings that Stephen was preaching. She got it in a way that Nicodemus didn't get it. She got it in a way that when when Paul is writing to the church at Corinth in the second letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 5.17, some of you may have this verse on your refrigerator, and I bet you $5 it has butterflies on it, that says, 2 Corinthians 5.17, If anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation, Behold, it says, old things have passed away, all things have become new. I don't know if she knew that verse or not, if she had ever read the letter from Corinth. She certainly hadn't at this time, but she was new. She was living that verse out. She was in Christ, she was a new creation. She understood what Nicodemus didn't understand, at least at that time, what it meant to be born again, to be born anew, to go from one thing and become something new, like a caterpillar that becomes a butterfly. That that word metamorphosis is a Greek word in that 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It's in that verse. The change that's so much of a change that that what comes after is completely different from what was before. Like a caterpillar and a butterfly. If we're going to live the kingdom, the kingdom of God, that's what has to happen to us. We have to come to a place where we where where we submit our mind and our heart and our spirit, our body, soul, everything that we are, our three-part being, submit it to God and to be adjusted in order to start living that kingdom life that Jesus was talking about. A life of freedom in Jesus in the spirit. What Nicodemus was offered and could have had, but he's just stuck in his head. I talked to somebody this week. She says, I'm sorry, I'm just so much in my head that I can't get away from thinking this way. This lady, as far as she had to come, bam, she was there. Anyone be in Christ, they're a new creation. That that changes how you behave in your life because you're a completely different thing. Your nature becomes a different nature. Paul in, in chapter 8 of the of Romans talks about that. It, that we're the same spirit that gave life to Jesus' dead body in the grave, and he was was alive again and is something completely different, can give life to our dead flesh. Paul talks about that we're crucified with Christ, that we put to death our old man, our old nature. It's a little bit like, it's the freedom that's a little bit like, if you let that eagle out of the cage, I guarantee you'd never get them back in it. But how many of us live like the birds in the bars of the jail because of choices that we make to not live free? Apparently, this lady did not go back to the way things were before. She laid that foundation for a future of all people coming to Jesus. That's our job too. That's our job for the people that we work with every day. For them to see a Jesus in us and a kingdom life that says, I want some of that. For people that we go to school with. For, to, for them to see us and go, what, what is with you? I want some of that. Unfortunately, many of us growing up though, People didn't want any part of what we had because we had a bunch of religion and we had a bunch of rules and a bunch of this and that. No drinking, no dancing for me. My girlfriend in high school, our senior prom had just had her appendix taken out, but she and I were the photographers, and so we had to go to prom to take pictures, but we didn't get to dance Um, because we both grew up different churches, but both no drinking, no dancing, and uh, went to prom, took pictures, and then left. We dressed up and everything. I won't tell you, yeah, it was a baby blue tux. It was. Um, That doesn't look like freedom. Have a bunch of rules that seem more important than anything else. This is the important thing. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the most important message that we can ever bring. And the second is like unto it, if I talk in King James English, God didn't send his son to the world to condemn the world, but so the world could be saved. Stand with me. It is my prayer that we are like the woman at the well. That we run off down the road and start telling our friends because we want some of that. We want some of that living water. We want to some of that freedom that comes from that. Mm-hmm. Are we going to do one more song? Okay, we'll finish with one song. Then I'll pray and we'll be dismissed.
0: And done this song in so long that it's new. It's, new. <laughs> it's called the Throne Room Song. And if you've been around church very long, you've heard that there's a description in, in scripture of creatures flying around with all kinds of eyes and wings on them. And they're just singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord worthy to be praised and so this song kind of mimics that talks about us singing that way so father would you um, receive this praise we thank you that you're worthy we thank you that you're holy be glorified as we sing
1: your spirit will.
4: Praise of your people. Thank you that on the cross when Jesus died, the veil was torn and the door into your presence was flung wide. That we have a relationship with you, that it isn't based on a religion that separates us from you, that you desire to be in a relationship with us such an intimate, fatherly relationship, Father. that you're here right now you're with us within us as you reveal to yourself to us more and more and as we conform ourselves to your likeness continue to reveal yourself to us in your presence that we could live in it daily Everybody that we know, everybody we deal with every day on a minute to minute basis wants to run inside what we have may we glorify you in every breath in Jesus name